0: Follow the Four Corners Podcast on social media. Like us on Facebook, Four Corners Podcast. Follow us on Twitter, Podcast Four Corners. And check us out on Instagram, Four Corners Podcast. You can also subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review.
1: Gentlemen, welcome to the Four Corners Podcast. I'm Shad here with Matt and Brad. Guys! How you doing?
2: I'm doing good, Shad.
0: I'm doing good. I'm ready to um, talk about some more Intercontinental Champions.
1: More Intercontinental Champions and Marines beating up Shawn Michaels!
0: Oh, yes. I get also our because, because it happened between the recording of the last episode and this episode... Uh, Finn Balor is the new NXT champion because we needed two matches because we couldn't finish a, a one hour Iron Man match
1: You know what it's on Balor it's not on Adam Cole again okay
0: You know yeah. I I feel like I feel like that Iron Man match was specifically there just to troll everyone because when I think of something I d- would not want Champa Gargano Cole and Balor in it's a it's a one hour long Iron Man match <laughs> and then it didn't have a finish, even though yeah. even though I think like almost every Iron Man in WWE history has gone to overtime.
1: Yeah. I think the, the the angle Lesnar that took up the whole last hour of SmackDown did
3: not.
0: Is that the is that the one where he came out the next week after he won the belt? with like the mariachi band and he had like the sombrero and he was dancing and everything because
3: mm-hmm.
0: that might be the most entertaining like out of the ring thing brock ever did in wwe
1: <laughs> that's burned into my brain
0: All other right. than um, when he was using the money in the bank briefcase like a boom box which was also hilarious
1: having the the uh, brock party
0: yeah also, the, um, who told that story? Was that Drew McIntyre? Now, who told the story about him, like, freaking out at the gym because that kid was, like, stalking him?
1: I don't know. I haven't heard that story. Yeah, I don't know the story.
0: Oh, what was it? Oh, that might have been Wade Barrett. That might have been a Wade Barrett story.
1: Okay. Well, what I'm going to do is I am uh, – we'll go ahead and get our shout-outs done real quick. The first one is to Collar and Elbow, the wrestling brand, CollarAndElbowBrand.com. Use the promo code for Corners Podcast. That's the number four capital C in Corners, capital P and Podcast. Save 10% off your order, and we throw it over to Matt.
2: Uh, that would, again, be to Orlando Cologne, our, our favorite shout-out, uh, perpetual shout-out. And, again – Orlando Cologne potentially would have been the greatest icy champion of all time, but they never gave him a shot. Nope. So, so we're I'm gonna
0: sure. we're gonna recap uh, our results from last week. Um, we took a little longer than we thought we would with this. So um, <laughs> in the first round, Randy Savage defeated the British Bulldog. Greg Valentine defeated Ricky Steamboat. The Ultimate Warrior defeated Diesel. Razor Ramon defeated Ravishing Rick Rude. Mr. Perfect defeated Tito Santana. Shawn Michaels defeated Jeff Jarrett. Bret Hart defeated Carrie Von Eric. And the Honky Tonk Man defeated Rowdy Roddy Piper.
1: All right. So that means that coming up, we've got our whole new set. So, Brad, you're going to have to tell me if I have it right or wrong. We're going to have Savage Valentine, Warrior Razor... Perfect, Michaels and Hart, honky tonk. Yep. All right. Well, which which end are we starting from?
0: Why don't we start with Bret Hart and honky tonk man? Okay.
1: Hey, I, I, God, honky tonk has just so many weird stories around him. Um, there's, I, I think my favorite people to tell them are. Um, or to hear uh, Gallows and Anderson tell stories about meeting Honky Tonk Man. But then Honky Tonk tells stories on himself, too. And it's like, how. Uh, how are we. Do you, do you not hear what you're saying? Like, the dude won't tip anywhere. Um, God, he just. He seems to hate a lot of stuff.
0: Wasn't him. Well, but doesn't Cesaro have a really positive honky tonk man story? Like they did something and then he went to something else and like honky tonk was like his, um, in because honky tonk remembered him because like his European uppercut was so good.
1: I don't know. I haven't heard that story.
0: I think he told it on Colt's podcast. Okay. Cause that's where he talked about his, um, his Starbucks love and how he had like the platinum membership card or something
2: okay (laughs) that's kind of sad i know because starbucks is really just garbage coffee unless you're getting Mm. unless you're getting the specialty coffees uh which can be delicious but they're also like 500 calories each and like eight dollars a piece
0: some, some yeah these, so it's I like, like let me, me
2: let me spend like all my money and then also this this one coffee is like lunch and,
0: yeah well and here's the other, some of their teas are good but the other problem with starbucks is it's expensive but they're they have a real propensity like to really screw it up too so like you just spent five bucks and it could be okay sometimes but other times like it could be almost not edible
1: mm-hmm so, I uh
0: that's what always gets me off of Starbucks. Is not that I don't like some of their drinks. It's that um, when they screw it up, you're just like, I just wasted five dollars on this, and it's yeah. trash.
1: Yeah, I um, I can't do
2: it. I can't. I
1: can't. I I just like black coffee, and I can't do Starbucks. Ooh,
0: black?
2: Yeah. Oh no! See, I I, I can't do that. It's it's too bitter for me.
0: Don't they like just burn their coffee too?
2: I Starbucks. Hear like, yeah. Oh hell yeah. Oh, hell they, oh god, they burn it.
1: I imagine that that right before they trot it out to put it in the machines, there's someone who stands in the back with a blowtorch, <laughs> and it's just standing there by the beans, going, "Well, that smells good. I better keep going."
0: Oh, that smells you like mean, feet. We're you ready. You know what? The, you know what? My one of my favorite like business like, especially like ruthless business practices stories. This is pretty much how. McDonald's stole Tim Hortons coffee distributor out from under them. So that, like now McDonald's has the Tim Hortons coffee. Really? Yeah. Well,
2: Tim Interesting.
1: Hortons cut off the deal with their coffee distributor. Cause I don't know. It's too much. We're not going to pay for it anymore. McDonald's is like,
2: so we heard y'all make good coffee. <laughs> it's funny you say that. Cause uh, I actually feel that McDonald's coffee is actually pretty decent. Mm hmm. It's not yeah. bad. It, for it's it's pretty good, considering the fact that if you get a, a cup of it, it's only like a buck or two. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's Tim Hortons coffee too because they, they Wow,
2: like... I didn't I didn't know that. I um, I actually do have a preference for Dunkin'. I do like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. Uh, and I don't know if either of you have seen this, but uh, have you have you seen the Saturday Night Live skit that they did on Dunkin' Donuts coffee uh, <laughs> with? Casey Affleck if you haven't seen it um go on YouTube and just search like uh, SNL Dunkin Donuts and it's obviously like a comedy bit it's it's like one of their fake commercials for like a Dunkin Donuts uh but I tell it I tell anyone I recommend that to it's like this isn't even a commercial this is just like a documentary because it's uh (laughs) the, the preference is that it's uh Dunkin' Donuts. If you, if, for those who are not aware, it's heavily prevalent in the Northeast, uh, and they focus specifically on like Boston, like Boston area, New England. And I claim it's as a documentary because that's it is so perfect at capturing like the the New England mass hole, <laughs> <laughs> like that. Casey Affleck. It's like there are a million dudes out there just like that. And I know this because, again, friend of the show, Christy Petrillo, I've visited him many times in Rhode Island. Rhode Island is not as bad as, like, Boston, but I, I know that type. It's perfect down to the the accent, everything. It's worth watching.
0: It's,
1: okay. um, I've got it pulled up. I'll watch it after we, we get done.
0: You know, we only have, like... I swear we only have, like, two Dunkin' Donuts in this whole city, and they'll try and expand out sometimes... But like Columbus is only capable of supporting like two Dunkin' Donuts at one time, and one usually has to share space with a Baskin Robbins to survive. Oh man,
1: we have we have one in in my town, and it it does fine. It's it's in a good location, but uh, you know if I'm going, I usually just make my own coffee at home. So,
0: the, my problem is I'd only go there for donuts, but we have like really great local donut places, and I'd rather go to those than yeah Dunkin' Donuts.
2: How much? Well, how much does it cost? Because we have a really good donut place in DC, um, and they actually have um, they have a couple locations here called Astro Donuts, and the the donuts are fantastic, but they're also like four dollars a donut. So
0: oh no, we we have like Ooh. we have we cool. have like um. It might be a chain that might be in other states. But we have Jolly Pirate that's really good and cheap, and then mm. Buckeye Donuts is cheap, and then the, the most expensive one that we probably have, but it's kind of like a specialty place is Duck Donut, which you oh uh, like.
2: we have we have a couple of Duck Donuts here.
0: Yeah, that, Our, that place. If you ever get one of those in your town, they're amazing because like you go in and you say what you want on the donut, and they like cook it fresh there.
2: So,
1: so are you saying they are all all they're quacked up to be? Yes. Hey. Oh, uh.
0: <laughs> just don't get the. i don't get the thing like the new thing is like do you like maple and bacon on stuff
1: I, well, I was just gonna say before we moved on you, that matt's gonna have to tell friend of the show christy petrillo that uh that that happened so well,
0: there's another place and um there's like this market it's called north market it's kind of like a destination that has like all these food booths set up And there's one I don't remember what it's called but they do these like huge donuts and they do like different ones every day but they're really good and um, I got one one day I don't remember what it was but it was like they like handed me like the the plastic container and like it touched my hands and it was still warm and my wife was laughing at me because I was like tearing this thing open like in this huge crowd of people so I could down this like still warm donut like in the midst of
2: a sea of humanity. Yeah. We uh, there's another chain that's I don't know if it's local or not, but Sugar Shack. Have you heard of Sugar Shack? I've heard of it. Yeah. Okay, so maybe it's not local. Maybe it's uh, kind of nationwide. They, there's definitely they have a couple locations here in D.C. They were um, they're they were notable here in the D.C. area because one in Alexandria, Virginia, which is just outside of D.C., and then one in D.C. They had two locations that <laughs> and they had back rooms of the donut shop that actually no joke like doubled as speakeasies nice uh so there was literally like <laughs> after hours the donut shop closed and you could basically go into this back like secret they were pretty much like secret back rooms like you they would have like a nondescript door and you could you'd have to like call ahead and be like yeah I want a want a spot at the, at the speakeasy and they would let you in and they would do different cocktails. And the one that was in D.C., my wife and I went once. And sadly, it's closed, uh, unfortunately, I think because of COVID. But it was a really fascinating bar because you could go in there and they had different types of cocktails you could get. Uh, and it would be based upon a menu. You could get like three at a time or six at a time or like nine at a time. And we did nine and like shared them. And they were the weirdest drinks you could ever imagine. Uh, like, the one I got was basically... It was basically... They cooked instant ramen. Uh, but in, And they serve it to you. But instead of, like, a broth, they put it in, like, some sort of scotch drink.
0: Ew, so that sounds gross.
2: It's... It was... uh, It was a once-in-a-lifetime type of thing. It was mm-hmm. not... I can't say it was good, but <laughs> it was interesting.
0: You know what's the worst, though, is if you're at work... And, I mean, obviously, this doesn't happen anymore because of COVID, but... When someone sent an email, like I brought donuts in today and you'd like peek in their cubicle and it was Tim Hortons. You'd be like, that's not donuts. That's just crap. And you'd walk away. <laughs> <laughs> and Tim Hortons is like the... There's a couple okay ones, but like when someone brings in donuts, it's just like, you could have gone to any number of local chains with better donuts and it would have been cheaper. But... Whatever.
1: So honky tonk man.
0: <laughs> so this one, um, this one, I think this one's difficult. I think for me, um, I'm going to take the work rate candidate, even though I would say honky tonk man has like the more probably iconic reign and I would vote for Bret Hart.
1: Um, Here's the thing is when I look at this matchup, it's like, I've got to, I've got to have something right. Like, I've got to justify my answer, and in this case I'm going to go with Hart because Bret Hart winning the Intercontinental title was a big deal. He, I think he had, what, you said two reigns? Is that right?
0: Yes, two reigns.
1: He had, he had two reigns. Those two reigns led to him led to, you know, the, the bigger part of his career later with the world title and everything. Honky Tonk's man, Honky Tonk Man's career basically wound down when he lost the intercontinental title pretty much it's very good intercontinental champion but that was the end of it for him and i'm kind of like well i i can't you know i I look at the two of them and i've got to go with brett out of this
0: but also you have to realize that's kind of how the wwf worked at the time like you know, it was still kind of like the old system, so like, you know, he lost the belt and he kind of went back around losing to all those guys that didn't get the nod over him when he had the belt.
1: Yeah. Well, it's just a, I I've, I've got to give it to Brett out of this.
0: And I mean, you know, Rhythm and Blues was not <laughs> the best of gimmicks. Poor Greg Valentine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I too would go with with Brett, um, I do have a soft spot for Honky's reign, and I mean the guy. The guy basically subsequently made a career out of being, you know, the greatest and their kind of champion of all time. But I felt Hart like his title, his two title reigns, really like elevated both the title and himself because that is what we talked about in the first episode. How the the concept was this was like a legit stepping stone to go on to bigger things. Um and it did obviously work for for Brett like he actually moved on to the world title although that was that's kind of a complicated situation because I I don't know if he would have been pushed to that if not for the whole steroid scandal in the early 90s but
0: well I think I think he also benefited from business was so bad mm-hmm. that they just took a they just took a, a blind swing at, at him
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, but it worked like he was both a great worker and he actually turned out to be a really interesting personality and a good talker.
0: And he was, I think he's, I think it's underrated in wrestling, um, especially online in the current situation. But Bret Hart didn't like bring new fans in, but Bret Hart kept things stable. Mm -hmm. And I think people, I think being a neutral draw is an underrated um, quality. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like being a draw, obviously a good thing. Being a anti draw, obviously a bad thing. But then not giving credit to someone who can maintain the level um, is doing a disservice to them.
0: Or even like you know, you lose a little bit, but they keep business at like a solid, um, a solid, a solid go. But I, I also think Bret Hart, it was a was an international draw. So I think he has Mm -hmm. that going for him. Mm
2: -hmm. Yeah, that's fair.
0: Okay. So up next, we have Mr. Perfect versus Shawn Michaels. Um,
1: we, this is really
3: hard.
0: So, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to talk about a negative aspect of the Mr. Perfect. Um, see title runs and i think matt's gonna latch on this because it was just awful but the coach john tolos
2: oh god i, I had forgotten about that
0: just terrible and i it, it, it's kind of like a raw wound because his commentary on um that uwf show we watched in june is still kind of <laughs> still kind of like raw in my brain and yeah
2: I am still stunned because apparently he was he was a big star at a certain point in time of his in career.
0: Seventies in L.A., yeah,
2: yeah. Because I all mean, I've ever seen was him as a coach.
0: We saw with Bruno though, like guys can like talk in their career, but you put them in commentary or like <laughs> as a manager, and they don't talk. It doesn't work as well. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's just something about it. But you know, he was a big deal in like the '70s, even into like um. Even into the '80s, because I looked after that, I looked a little more into him because um, Shad asked questions, and I, I feel like I did not give an adequate answer, and I forgot, like on that Super Sunday card, you know, where in the AWA where they started the riot because they did like the dusty finish with Bockwinkle and Hogan. He actually wrestled Jerry Lawler on that card.
2: Interesting. And that was
0: like. Lawler was super huge right then Because he was like pretty fresh off of the David Letterman appearance
1: Okay I'm with you
0: So um, yeah and he he did Like he did some AWA matches And that was kind of I think he wrestled Maybe uh, into like 85 but he was definitely on The downturn at that point But um, I would say Like the late 70s and early 80s Were his heyday God. No, maybe a little earlier Because uh, he and Freddie Blassie I think had a feud in like the 60s Okay um, Yeah
1: So I I'm, I have a memory somewhere of One of the few times That I, I managed to sneak watching Some wrestling in the mid 90s and I remember Mr. Perfect was having a match with someone, and he's doing that, and Bobby Heenan was his manager, and Perfect's having the match. Heenan's standing there, you know, at ringside, with his hand on the title. Like, every time Perfect goes to take a pinfall, Heenan's fingers kind of wrap around it a little bit. Like, you know, it's so... so Like, he's going to hang on to it. So, it was... It was very clear about how important for that gimmick that title was. But I would feel like a hypocrite for picking Mr. Perfect over Shawn Michaels, given what I just said about Bret Hart and Honky Tonk.
0: I feel like, though, um, well, okay, one thing is uh, Bobby Heenan, like, it was a big storyline for a long time that he his stables never won a belt until Rick Rude. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so I think I think they played that up a bit. but so um with Shawn Michaels, um, he wasn't a very good worker during his first reign. Um, okay He was still doing like yeah what's what's that stupid teardrop suplex? Yeah um, and then like you know he had like the stuff with Marty Jannetty that kind of didn't go anywhere because Jannetty got fired and then he had a couple of okay matches with um Duggan. The title, and then Marty won it. Then he won it back, and then he did the stuff with um. With Razor, and then they did that whole thing where um he had his own IC title made and saying he was the real IC champion when he wasn't. Um, I don't know. This is a tough one.
1: I guess, uh, and is- I've had to split hairs this way in the past, in that um it's a. Uh if if I'm gonna have to make my decision I'm gonna compare their highs and their lows and obviously both of these guys were just excellent. But things like Oh god, this isn't even gonna work because you have like the ladder matches that Shawn Michaels had, but then you had him losing his smile. Damn.
0: So I guess so I would say the signature feud for perfect was the big boss man feud at WrestleMania seven.
1: Okay,
0: um, hmm. which that that match was okay. Um, it, it 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 wasn't amazing, but I feel like so. I think I think what we're gonna have to go with here is um, the Bret Hart versus Mr. Perfect match, where Perfect loses the belt, and probably the latter match, and determining if if the coach is worse than losing his smile.
1: The coach being bad. Is is that's bad, but losing his smile to be just an absolute little prick about not wanting to drop the title to someone you're supposed to drop it to aggravates me more.
0: But he did. But let's be fair. Let's be fair, Shad. He did get beat up by sixty-two Marines.
1: Sixty-two Marines. Yeah, I heard it was
2: eighty-five.
0: No, no, <laughs> no. You, you got to give it, give it another two weeks. <laughs>
1: okay. It goes up every so many tellings. You add another marine to it. So
0: yeah, and I believe I believe in another year we can add a cybernetic gorilla to the mix. <laughs>
3: mm-hmm. the and I
0: believe that... I believe if we if if he lives another ten years, we can add Gamera to the mix. Oh, so okay. Not Godzilla, but Gamera.
1: Right. Right, we got to stage these things
0: well because because Godzilla would be would be ridiculous like of yeah. course Godzilla doesn't exist but you know Gamera's <laughs> legit. I'm
1: you know what uh, the way that I'm gonna do this is is like you were saying the worst thing is it's not perfect's fault that he had a bad character saddled with him for this but it's absolutely Michael's fault with the whole losing his smile crap so yeah I I'm actually based on that. I'm going to give it to perfect.
0: I'm good with that. Um, I I think I'm going to agree with you and say, like, losing his smile makes him lose to perfect, in my
2: opinion. Wow. I actually would pick I still would pick Shawn Michaels because I feel the greater breadth of his reigns. He had better, well, I'm going to say better matches, but uh, I do appreciate I do appreciate the idea that he he wasn't i I wouldn't say that he was a bad worker. I wouldn't say he' was like, oh he wasn't good. i just i do agree that he was better later on and he was kind of still finding himself as a heel mm-hmm.
0: um, he was getting would, there during his icy reigns like I feel like by the the time t- maybe a ten rolled around he was there,
2: yeah, and I would feel like the whole feud with with razor alone would probably push me to to pick michaels but uh two out of three if you guys pick uh, perfect then perfect advances
0: yep so perfect yeah advances. that one was close though like i'm yeah. i was really like i've re- i was really looking for a reason not to vote for michaels
1: mm-hmm. well i was just grasping at straws so much and then you brought up losing his smile thing and that just aggravates me so much it's so petty and selfish that it just turned me off so
0: yeah this next one's gonna be hard too because so up next we have Ultimate Warrior versus Razor Ramon and I'm not quite sure how I want to go with this one do yeah. any of you want to take a stab at this one first
2: uh, I guess I'll go this one this one is tough for me because I actually I do feel Razor was Scott Hall did a great job um, at least with at least with probably like the first couple reigns, uh, once you started getting into ninety five,
0: like the Dean Douglas, like win. yeah,
2: and then the feud with Goldust where he he lost the title to Goldust, and then that was pretty much the end of it because he he moved on to WCW.
0: The, the um, feud that you probably couldn't air on TV anymore because of the rampant homophobia.
2: Yeah, that would not be uh that wouldn't work. But I think the first two reigns when he first w- when he won the title. Um, in the, the match with Rick Martel, and then held it, and then when he, the feud, obviously, that he had with, uh, with Sean, and then,
0: the Jarrett feud. one was pretty good, where like, yeah. he kept go he got hurt, and Jarrett kept goading him back, and beat him for it, like, I, I thought that was pretty,
2: yeah, good, so, so that stuff, I think was really good, Um, so, I mean, I feel like if you had put, if you had put Razor up against, perfect or michaels this would be very difficult um personally i i actually i feel like he had better matches but i would probably not give it to razor i would give it to i'm gonna give it to ultimate warrior and the reason why is because again like that was it just felt warriors winning the title was such a big deal and you've it was during that period of time, I don't feel even with the, Ra- the earlier Razor stuff, I don't feel the title was as diluted as it would obviously get, but it it's just, Warrior holding the title, it just seemed like such a big deal. Like, it did seem like he was, like, the next big thing, and obviously you had, like, the, the feud with Rude, where he, he traded it back and forth, so, but that was kind of, I guess that was meant to elevate Rude, even though they didn't really do much with him, ultimately, but the warrior still holding felt so much more the title felt so much more important and i think that was all justified because of course at wrestlemania 6 you had him win the championship
0: he was a double champion
2: Yeah, he was a double champion and then of course it, back then you know they, they didn't do this whole like two title thing they just had him vacate mm-hmm. uh which i thought was cool but uh, again like it kind of like a... that
0: up though because mm-hmm. I have I've distinctly remember the last time I watched that they were really hyping that you know Hogan would win the IC title if he won the match.
2: Hmm, I don't remember that.
0: It was title versus title if you if you if you like if you like listen to the commentary.
2: Well, and, you know in in times past that's kind of like escaped memory. That's got memory hold.
3: Hmm.
0: context really gets uh dicey when you get further away from things like since it's still um it's still it's topical because it happened in an icy title match but like the jimmy snooker splash off the cage people think that happened in the context of a match
2: yeah it was after us right
0: yeah he lost the match and then he like splashed him
1: I'm sitting here trying to parse this out.
0: I think, I think so. Um, I, I, want to kind of go along with some stuff Matt said. Like, I kind of agree, like towards the end of the razor stuff, like the title is really getting diluted. So I think like, I think like he had, how many times? So he had four reigns. I would say probably had like two quality reigns in there. And then, um, but like warrior, like, The Root stuff is, like, top-end stuff for, like, anyone. Like, I think there's guys that go their whole career that are well-regarded that did not have a feud as good as that. Mm
3: -hmm.
0: Like, I mean, it was so good that that's, they, because they didn't have, like, other options, they just pretty much tried to rerun that with Warrior as the WWF champion the next year. Yeah. And, um, I think I'm gonna have to go with Matt on this. Like, Like my my first inclination, the your first inclination when you look at that, without really thinking about it, is oh yeah, Razor because Scott Hall's a better worker. um, The latter match, Um, you know, he kind of cemented that division for uh, two ish years, I'd say. But then you like the more you think about it, like Warrior kind of like creeps up there slowly, 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 and you're kind of like you know like the prestige of Warrior's reign is probably a little more. Um, Than the Hall reign, so I think I think for me it is Warrior.
1: Did Warrior put the yellow leather on the title while he held it?
0: Maybe a, I know he had he had the teal for a, at one point.
2: I remember the teal, yeah.
1: So I'm sitting here and I'm trying to parse between the two of them, and how do I parse this out, and how do I split them because? Let me want see to be what in- he had it. do i want to be inconsistent about what i said about someone using it to move on or not or someone like scott hall's career didn't end when he dropped the ic title you know i mean he was a huge player in wcw and stuff like that so i've got to find some way to separate the two
0: he did have yellow
1: Okay, so my answer is I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Razor just because I, I don't like the yellow leather on the belt. That's that they are so close. I have to go to something that petty. It,
0: it looks like the teal was he did have the yellow for Mania on the Mania six promotional material. It looks like the teal icy title Michaels had, and then he did the teal for the WWF title. Okay, the white belt for the WWF title.
1: It's just so close that I I have to I actually have to go petty in order to separate these two. So it, uh, Warriors advancing. I'm I'm throwing Scott Hall a boat because I believe he deserves it.
0: I, I this is pretty much a sacrificial lamb I think. So up next um, we have we have Randy Savage vs Greg Valentine. Which um, I'm going to go first on this one. I think we talked about Greg Valentine being kind of like underappreciated in the modern era but I also said this last episode and I stand by it I think um, Randy Savage is the best IC champion of all time so um, he wins this one hands down in my book
2: Uh, I'm going to go along with you Uh, again Valentine does I feel get not as much love as he deserves but savage just came off as such a star holding that title and just just his whole like persona his charisma again it, but this was back in the day when it wasn't just it's it actually makes me sad how completely devalued the title is it's like he, i honestly to the point where it's like why even have this around anymore like yeah, ideally, the new girl's
0: ugly. The one that yeah. changed to a couple years ago is just yeah. ugly.
2: Yeah, I mean it's it's it really is. You're supposed to have a secondary title so that you still have something that uh, a guy who's not at the main event level uh, can can guys they can fight for and it can elevate them. Um, there's supposed to be a prestige to it, but when it's like no one cares and it's like, well, what was the point of this? But back in the day, like this was something huge and it was clearly. It got a guy like Savage over a guy who could they intended to make a big star potentially like a main eventer, which obviously that didn't work out with Savage. But he just had a, like such a presence, in his the matches like in, in, the whole reign was like so important at that time. Like I'm definitely gonna go Savage over Valentine.
0: I thought it was telling last week that we we didn't even we couldn't even we were we were close, but we were an icy title holder behind. Mm -hmm. And how many times has Jeff had that belt? I want to see. I'm curious now.
2: Which Jeff? Jeff Jarrett? Jeff Jeff Hardy? Jeff Hardy. Five times. Yeah.
1: The thing that bothers me so much is the I.C. title went from this is important to it just kind of seemed like it was getting thrown around on people for shock value. For we're putting it on this guy because we feel like it or something like and that that you want to you want to one reason why I, I can't stand Vince Russo booking. There you go. I, I'm gonna be honest with you. People who go on and on, there are some people out there that go on and on about how great Vince Russo was as a Booker that I, I, I count do not, under, I do not understand how. Like everyone can have their own opinion, that's fine, but I do not understand how you come to this concept, and because you know we hot shot it around and we throw it around and oh, titles are just props, so it doesn't matter what we do with it. It does matter. Because if you take your tools and degrade your tools to where they don't work anymore, then you don't have them, and you can't do anything else with them. So, you know, it it is important that we think about this stuff. And for God's sakes, I know that the Godfather was an over gimmick, but he didn't need the Intercontinental title. There was no need for that. I mean, if if we're talking about people who were over that you could have put that title on to do something with, then X-Pac was super hot for a while. Didn't do that. You had Billy Gunn, who won King of the Ring, but no, he was the hardcore champion, not the Intercontinental champion, if memory serves. Maybe he won it later. Hell, I don't know.
0: You know, you know, you know, um, you know, I had a, I had a, I had a weird like memory hole moment, um, and I forgot Ezekiel Jackson was a thing last week. Okay. And oh, then wow. I saw a picture of him, and I was like, "Oh, that's Big Rick from um Lucha Underground." And I'm like, "Wait a minute, he was in WWE, and he was the Intercontinental Champion. And he was the ECW <laughs> Champion. Like, wow! Like, he, I totally wh- forgot he, he existed."
2: Wasn't he the the quote unquote final ECW Champion?
0: I think so. I believe so. I just remember him as like the boss, that boss guy in early Lucha Underground. Mm-hmm. And he was much wow. better than that.
1: I am, I am poleaxed because now I'm at a complete loss.
0: Wait, you forgot he existed too? I don't know that I ever knew that
1: him being the Intercontinental Champion was a thing.
0: I forgot Big E was an IC Champion too
2: because oh his reign I, I i like i love biggie but his reign was completely forgettable
0: and he had it for a while too
2: just
1: like mm-hmm. oh did he have it for a while
0: five or six months i think
1: what in the world? yeah well because that was in that phase when biggie couldn't be himself yeah. he was in the um that was in that like no we need you to be the i don't even remember what the gimmick was at the time but it wasn't him. It was flat because it wasn't him, right? Like you. Any that the whole whole other thing. I'm just. Brad... So this is
0: what happens when I prepare for a show and I <laughs> see like weird things. And I'm like, wait, who who was that? Like, oh oh.
1: It's like I was trying to s- shift gears from second to fourth without hitting the clutch. I am just. <sighs>
0: That's because, like, it, it's it's a weird, I don't know, like, I know, like, I haven't paid as close attention as I did for my teenage and early 20s, but, like, there's stuff that happens at WWE now that's just, like, it's almost like, it's almost like Earth 2 wrestling. <laughs> okay. And it's just like, wow, I forgot that was like a thing. Biggie had it for 167 days.
2: <clears throat> if you really want to bring up a weird fact, like, uh, Wade Barrett apparently had it had five reigns. I'm sorry, what?
0: Yeah. yeah. I remember him having quite a few. I, I don't. Uh...
2: If you had asked me... I would've been like well, I think he had one.
1: Like Wade Barrett having an intercontinental reign. I don't have a problem with that. I just don't remember this. Was this like tied to Nexus or what?
0: No, he he had a couple as bad news Barrett. Like it was kind of intermixed. I think some of them were short um kind of ended abruptly because of injury.
1: Okay. Well, that makes Then how amusing is it that that Barrett his gimmick was so over that I forget that he had title reigns because I'm remembering the gimmick instead.
0: It, that's pretty easy to do. Actually, funny story, I do have the debut of the Intercontinental title on a DVD somewhere. I'm hmm. have to go find it. So pretty much what happened is um, they had Ted DiBiase as... Um, the, the North American champion. And I think they brought him in. Is that with that belt? And then um, Pat Patterson yes. beat him for that belt. And then on TV, they had him come on with like the new belt, saying that um, he won this title in like I think Brazil's there. There's a
1: tournament their, in Rio.
0: Yeah, and I, so I have that promo on a disc somewhere. whew which is a real shame um, from that set because that's WWE. It makes me so sad that um, we don't have a lot of like Patterson and his prime on film because the stuff I have of him, there's some stuff like he's really good in his heyday.
1: Did he make the crowd go banana?
0: <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> All right. What's our next matchup, Brad?
0: Okay, so uh, we are now in the semifinals. So I guess we're going to stick with this side of the bracket, and this is a uh, this is appropriate considering um, some of their previous conflicts. But Randy Savage was the Ultimate Warrior.
1: <laughs> Man. You know, it's it, we we touched on this with um, well, oh, what was that? Was it? It wasn't Rampage It was was uh, SummerSlam 92 Where they had the
0: WWF title match That was actually really good
1: See, and I'm going to harken back to it In case there are people who are listening That didn't watch that If you haven't, you should Uh, We did a good job It's
0: it's a very oddball Match for the WWF at the time It felt more like an NWA title match To be honest with you
1: So Savage was the kind of guy that laid Everything out beforehand And here's the thing, that's perfect for Warrior, because if you have someone who lays everything out, then the person who's laying it out is aware of what your strengths and weaknesses typically are, and knows how to work with them. So Savage Warrior worked very well together. Warrior trusted Savage enough to lead him through stuff. And Savage was good enough to do it, and now we have these two yet again. And the the difficulty here is just going to be, yeah i i, I just I just think Savage is better than Warrior. So,
0: I, I just yeah I agree with that. I think um I think I think the belts the belt was just it. Like I think I think um I think the prestige that it felt like it had was Savage holding it. And and like I said, I've seen a lot of the TV during his reign. Um, it felt like, it felt like it was almost as important as the world title and Savage had it.
3: Yeah.
0: Um, and he defended on TV a decent amount and had good matches. And, um, yeah, I, I think he just, I don't know, Savage, it comes up a lot and we've had workers say it on this show. I know, um, Duke is the only guy that I don't think mentioned him by name. Yeah. I talked to, but I, I think um, I think there I, I don't think he would I don't think he would ever win greatest worker of all time for me, but like I think I have to rethink where I would place him because his like where he goes on my list just kind of like has crept up over the years. And I know when like I watch the old TV, there's one person that my wife will drop or stop whatever she's doing and watch when he's on the screen and that's Randy Savage. Yeah. Cuz you know what the thing is like especially during this time like Hogan has his like spiel like with the vitamins and the Hulkamaniacs and blah 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 and he cuts some good promos like there's um some of the promos he cuts going into the Andre match really good. But man like the Savage stuff like there's just something authentic about savage because i think he was legitimately insane so I, that probably helped his promos but yeah there's just something there's just something like the drips of realism and like this gritty presentation to savage that just really stands out in the wwf and i just i don't think like anyone's ever replicated what he brought to the table
1: savage has this animal charisma that is it's it not only intense but it's the kind of thing that you're watching and you go i want to see what this guy does mm-hmm. i want is, to see what he does next because
0: is he legitimately like he was a crazy person you're like this guy could like freaking stab me and gene in like two minutes or you know when we were doing the Mega Powers, you know, he brought Creamer from Catering.
1: Yeah, and he just – he had Creamer palmed and just keep rising with the top. Yeah, but – and it's the unique voice. It's the intensity. He, yeah, he comes off like a madman. But here's the other thing. The madman stuff had like this internal consistency to it. There is a promo my brother and I make jokes about all the time. It was WCW promo all the time. Savage and Sting are in a tag title tournament. They walk into the back. Mean Gene's trying to talk to him. It goes to Savage. Savage just looks, just is like, he's not even looking at the camera. He just goes to Mean Gene and goes, I'm not talking. And he's like pacing back and forth behind Sting and, and Okerlund. And every now and then Sting will, will say something to him and Savage just will, I'm not talking. And like go back to it. And through this whole thing, like Sting's doing the hard sell about it. And you're watching Sting. And at the same time, you're watching Savage behind him because you're just drawn into it. Yeah, God, Savage was just so good at pro wrestling.
0: Was that um? Was that Ron Reese as the yete that he was like? <laughs> he was um. He was like, he was like obsessing over some stupid fact, and he asked Savage. He's like, I don't fucking care what <laughs> what you do. <laughs> I don't Do you know. know what story I'm talking about? No. I,
2: I, I don't still know like the to, story.
0: I still like to think of when he does the creamer thing, events like at catering be like, Patterson, get over here.
2: Who stole all the creamer the for creamer? the coffee?
0: Patterson,
1: where's the creamer? <laughs> Just so much creamer in that. There's like five or six little pots of creamer he keeps coming up with.
0: Or um, or um, it's it's a real story and it's not humorous at all. But um, him pistol whipping Bill Dundee in a parking lot after Dundee pulled a gun on him during the ICW Memphis stuff.
1: I think he also broke Jerry Lawler's jaw with a set of brass knuckles in the uh, the parking lot of Rupp Arena in Lexington.
0: Oh, I might have done that too. But it, 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 am I right on that? Dundee pulled a gun, and like Savage took it from him, or and like pistol whipped him, or did like he like go for it, and Savage just grabbed it first and like pistol whipped him. Do you remember uh, either of you? Do you know what I'm talking about at least?
2: No, I don't. I don't think uh, I've heard I know any there of were, these stories.
1: I know there were a lot of stories about that crazy time, but I don't know enough of them.
0: Okay, give me a second. Uh, just Matt, why don't you?
2: Talk yeah, about sorry, you Matt.
1: Down? We we took, we just picked up and ran off and didn't stop long enough. Yeah.
2: To talk. no, it's fine. I I would totally agree. Uh, I feel I had to think back like the, in the last year, like the shows we did about the Mega Powers. Obviously, that was like a a, a long extended kind of uh, retrospective of that particular storyline, but it allowed us to really look at a lot of. Of Savage's reign, and that it, it, part of that actually en- encapsulated some of his icy title reign. And even though I loved Macho Man, it kind of actually gave me, like, somehow it even gave me a deeper appreciation of him. Mm-hmm. So I would, I'm going to go Savage over Warrior, too. Uh, Warrior's title reign, again, it felt like a big deal. It did feel like he was, it, he was like the next big thing. Like, you felt that. Like, I felt that when I watched his reign. But Savage just was, he did bring this intensity. He just came off as, like, such a huge star. He came off unpredictable. He came off as someone you wanted to watch to see what he was going to do next. The whole, like, transition from heel to face and then back to heel again was absolutely captivating. He's a dude who lost the title, and it just became even bigger. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I absolutely would go with, with Macho Man on this one. And it's shocking, because you think about it, yeah, he only had, like, one reign. But that's how it was back in the day. Like, back in the day, like, you... I feel like it was rare to get a couple reigns.
1: And then, um, you like you were saying, it was... You know, just just one big rain, but that cemented him as a star to everybody, right? Like that was that was the thing that like set in stone that Randy Savage is a guy to watch. Mm -hmm. And
0: okay, I found it. In
1: in hello.
0: Hello? I think Shad got disconnected.
3: Hmm.
0: Oh, well, 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 when he if he comes back on, we'll... Um, so, uh, one thing I just want to rant about, because I was trying to find this. I hate when you try and read an article for one tidbit of thing, and the, the writer just will not shut up and has to write, like, a 20,000-word essay for something they could have done in 2,000 words. Mm-hmm. It just drives me. Nuts. So this is this is the quote from uh, doesn't say. Supposedly the two exchanged words outside a diner with Dundee retreating to his car to grab a gun. Savage wrestled the gun away from Dundee and pistol whipped him, breaking his jaw.
3: Good Lord,
1: I'm sorry, guys. My my mic cut out there. I don't know when I I, I cut out on you.
0: That's from an article, Jonathan. Snowden did for Bleacher report that I got that from. Oh, just okay. to give credit. So um, um yeah.
1: Where was I at when I cut out, by the way?
0: Uh do you remember I sorry, I was like digging at the time. Matt,
1: do you, do you know where I was whenever I just kind of vanished? Uh
2: no, I just was kind of extolling the virtues of Rainy Savage. Oh, then. okay. Yeah. So
1: maybe maybe it cut out before I started talking, but every now and then I like to play the what if game and consider like the, the alternate scenario stuff is what if we had a world where Hogan was not the, the, the guy for the WWF, but Savage took on that role instead. How different would things be? Um, cause I think Savage could have pulled off everything personality wise that Hogan could have.
0: I, I think Hogan had some unique qualities though. I think, um, I also think um, and you kind of saw it in WCW like I think Randy was a better fit for the NWA WCW style and I think I think that's why you really saw his signing pay off more at first than Hogan's did because when the NWO kicked off like part of what got the product hot was the second flair Savage feud.
1: Yeah, but it's it's something I like to consider like would would what would be different uh, if that had happened? Um, I don't know. I don't know, but anyway, sorry.
0: So uh, so unanimously, I think Savage is moving on to the final here. Yeah, okay. So then uh, the other final is Mr. Perfect versus Bret Hart, which was an icy title change. So, I'm gonna... I'm gonna... I might go against the grain here. I don't know. This one's really close, but I'm gonna pick Bret Hart. Just because, um... I do kind of feel like his overall work rate was good. Um, I think he elevated the title a lot, whereas... I think Perfect was a good IC title holder, but I don't feel like he necessarily elevated the title. I feel like he was just a good, like... <coughs> Example of an IC champion whereas Bret Hart made it feel more important and I even think there's points where you watch some of those um 92 shows where um that's kind of like Hart's heyday with the belt and sometimes I think the IC title feels more important than the world title Mm mhm so um that's kind of my reasoning for the Hart thing
1: Hmm. Matt, what do you think?
2: Uh, I would actually completely agree. Uh, And I actually think that that reasoning is that rationale is absolutely on point. Like, I feel... I actually thought Perfect was great. Obviously, he wouldn't have made it this far in the tournament if he wasn't a great IC champion. But... It's... it's, So it's unfair to say like he was a placeholder, because I don't think that at all. But if, if you're talking about elevating, I do think Brett definitely elevated the title more like it it i won't say it lost the step but again i feel like the 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 kind of like the the brief three-month period when Gary had the title not that it devalued the title but it was more like well this guy's over and he's new so let's put the title on him for like a bit and then back to, to perfect it didn't it didn't devalue the title but it was almost like a step back um, and it was more like perfect was great But it was also like you weren't They didn't elevate perfect to Really like Main event status he did have like a brief run Against Hogan but it wasn't really like A big thing like he wasn't He
0: actually did bad box office
2: Yeah he, he wasn't like a like a Prolonged like main heel Like DiBiase or Savage were So
0: And it felt it, like it, in, in hindsight Too his reign mm-hmm. feels like you're coming off of like savage and a honky tonk and um, warrior and rude. Mm-hmm. And it feels like it feels and like he beats Tito Santana for it. And it feels like, it feels like the title lost just a little bit of prestige going into that no, by no fault of him. But, um, you know, it felt like it lost a little bit. Then like, you know what you said about like Carrie Von Eric is a real oddity as the IC champion. Mm hmm. Like, he really sticks out like a sore thumb, and he really hadn't been there very long. Like, he was over because of his name, but Mm -hmm. he really felt like... I don't know, he just feels out of place, and, like, his matches aren't particularly good. And then they put it back on, I think, Perfect, because he obviously wasn't, I don't think, working out for them. Or they just were doing it, you know, as a test run but then they give it back to him and then you know he does the boss man feud which i think is really good but it also that doesn't feel like that doesn't feel like warrior and rude or like savage and steamboat or even like bruno coming out of retirement to like wrestle savage because of what he did to steamboat Mm -hmm. like it just feels like it feels like it's like the first time when you watch a lot of stuff where it feels like a mid-card title.
2: Yeah. Whereas I thought Brett kind of re-elevated it and then obviously had a great match. Uh, he had a great match with Perfect where he won the title. He had a great match, obviously, with Roddy. And then even like the match that we just reviewed where he lost the title to Bulldog. Like, again, like he did. He did most of the work there, and that match isn't as great uh, now. Watching it in 2020, but him losing and the way he did it, it made the title, it elevated the title really, because it made it seem like such a big deal that Bulldog won it. Uh, which obviously that that didn't really pan out, but still, like it it seemed it seemed very important. So he
0: even had that um, a good match with Martel on that Rampage show we watched. Yeah.
2: So all these reasons I would put hard over perfect.
1: You know, just for the sake of being obstinate, Mm -hmm. (laughs) like, Brett's obviously good. He's one of the all-time greats. There is just something I get so much enjoyment out of watching Kurt Hennig have a match. And, you know, especially when he starts pinballing around on somebody. To sell for him. It's just... It's just... Fascinating to watch. Look, you guys have already voted. Hart's going to advance. But just just for the sake of argument, I'm going to throw it to perfect. Because I want to. (laughs) I I feel like I've had more fun watching Kurt Hennig than I have Bret Hart. That's all.
0: One of these days, Chad, I need to get you AWA TV when he's like the the AWA world champion. Okay. Cause he's like, there's like a time where he's like the lone bright spot on. Oh God. AWA TV. Well, I mean, he has like, um, the matches like he has with Bach Winkler really good. And then the stuff he does with Lawler is pretty good. So, I mean, he's, he's interesting. And like, he's kind of like, he turns heel. So you kind of get the prototype, um, Kurt Henning was Medusa, his manager. I don't remember. When he, like, turned heel hmm. after. It's been a while.
1: Well, I'm not trying to pick perfect to be contrary or anything like that. This is just more of a, a, a giving credit vote. Um,
0: I, I And, I mean, I, I'm going to admit, like, the stuff I'm saying, like, I'm really nitpicking. Yeah. Like, I, and you kind of have to be super... I know. I know. Someone's probably listening to this and be like, "Oh my god! Like, can you guys just shut up with these like little, <laughs> like these little, these little things you're picking on people for?" And it's just like when when you're dealing with someone that you would rate as like a nine versus a nine point five. Like, you really do have to like pick any crack in the armor. It's it's to, like watching. Uh,
1: it's like watching judges at Olympic events. There's got to be, you know, you're you're down to tenths or hundreds of a point separating things and you've got to have something that separates them um, yeah yeah I'm just in this like I'm I'm going with mr perfect because I just in this moment sitting here thinking about it I've had a lot of fun watching mr perfect like Brett is entirely confident and he is he mm. is technically so so solid like nothing matches up to it but on the other hand, damn it, sometimes it's just fun to watch somebody, you know, pinball to sell that I – I don't know. I, it, I I guess I'm throwing it just because it's – just for the fun of it.
0: <laughs> Under Underrated um, Mr. Perfect Moment for me is um, in WCW giving um, Big Show the f- – Oh, mechanics. giving him
1: the fisherman's I remember watching that live. Oh my gosh. There it, was like that was,
0: string he had where he was the US champion, like where he had these like he had like four or five like really good Nitro matches in like a two month period.
1: Yeah, because well he would defend he as the US champion, they kind of had him as the the workforce title defender for the NWO. So uh, someone would would challenge for an NWO title and be like, "You're going to face Kurt Hennig," and they'd be like, "I wanted Hogan. You get Kurt Hennig." And so they go and they face him, and they have this really great match, and Hennig pulls it out, and because
0: um, there's a Benoit I, match that was really good, wasn't there?
1: I don't remember that. I remember the 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 giant Kurt Hennig match had um. Someone smacked the giant in the head with the title belt. And then had a, yeah, to make it even more impressive, quote unquote, deadweight suplexed uh the giant. Um and that, that fed into the DDP feud for, for that Starcade. Um which was one of two babyface wins on an entire show. What? But
0: um No, there were there were three because Zabisco beat Scott Hall.
1: Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Because okay. that was actually, I mean, I know that was an announcer versus a wrestler thing, but I remember at the time I was, like, super invested in that feud because, um. Because they did a good job with that. Because remember, um, that's how they they sent, um, X Pac packing because, like, Zabisco choked him out at Halloween Havoc.
1: Um,. From what I had been told, and I haven't watched that match in so, so long, um, the, like, from what I'd been told, the crowd turned on that match pretty hard um, while it was going.
0: I haven't seen that show in a long time. So... I did, but they did do the Flair. Um, oh, that was Zabisco perfect.
1: versus Bischoff. That wasn't Zabisco. Oh yeah. Uh, Hall.
0: Did they remember they did the they did the Flair perfect match and um, that one ended in a DQ because Flair just put like the title over his face and started like stomping him.
1: Well that was a callback to the uh, the War Games uh, yeah. turn.
0: Which I felt that was a fair end to that feud because I I think Flair would just.
1: Yeah, Flair yeah. would totally do that, and that 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 should, yeah the oh sorry go ahead.
0: What was that? Do you remember like when he came back and like I don't remember. I think it was Barry Wyndham, and he just like beat the living piss out of Wyndham for like five minutes on TV. No, I don't remember what that was from though.
1: I don't remember that at all.
0: Eh. Okay. So uh yeah, I, I I don't think I mean Perfect made it really far and he beat some tough some tough yeah. competitors to get here, so Yeah. So our final is quite the Titanic um clash here with Randy Savage and Bret Hart. So um who wants to stumble into this wasp's nest
3: first? <laughs>
1: not
0: it. Uh, I'll go first. Um, so, all those things I said about Bret Hart are true. Um, I think he elevated the belt. Um, here's the one thing I have to say about Bret Hart, and it's the one thing I don't think he can ever overcome in my eyes, is there's only one Randy Savage in the universe, and I think there's ever only going to be one Randy Savage, and Bret Hart is not. Randy Savage like Bret Hart can't go on Space Ghost Coast to Coast and be like the most memorable moment of a of a great show (laughs) like he can't go on he can't go on a cartoon and drop Tommy Rich and like Leap and Lanny Poffo comments no or talk about how he was gonna twist um Zorak's head until he got to the first letter of his true love's um, name, which is the lovely Miss Elizabeth. You know? Yeah. Uh, the Like, uh, the Bret Hart was a great IC champion, but like I've said this whole time, and I think it's been true, and I said it kind of at the start, like, I think Savage is just the best IC champion ever because um, he brought the most star power to it. He, um, I think, you know, that you watch some of that TV and like, he's toe to toe with Hogan and like how important it felt and like how much you wanted to pay attention. And Savage is just like, there's nothing like him.
2: It's interesting you say that because I, I've pondered before, um, what, what Savage's places, uh, kind of in the pantheon because, Everyone likes to have their like their Mount Rushmore, and I don't think it's fair to do like a Mount Rushmore of like overall workers because that's too difficult. But if you're gonna if you're gonna do, at least just do like the WWF WWE, like who would you have on your Mount Rushmore?
0: Rock, Austin, Hogan, Savage, Andre, Bruno.
2: See, I, if you're talking just like if you have to, to limit it to four in terms of like probably like the business they did and
0: Andre Austin Hogan Savage
2: really see I I, based upon like how they carried things and the money they brought in and everything I would I'd be tempted to go like Bruno Hogan Austin and then maybe actually even Cena Uh, but I've kind of wondered like where, where does Savage fall because he's not if you think about like guys who basically the, the 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 person who defines like a generation or a decade hogan obviously is up there bruno back in the day uh, austin of course cena in the more modern era or at least like the the aughts mm-hmm. um i guess you could consider roman reigns like for the recent, but i mean he did he hasn't he didn't he has not caught on but like where would you put savage because i would I would actually put Savage very high, but Savage is, is an, in an interesting position because he's not like greatest of all time. He wouldn't be put in the same the same conversation as Hogan just because Hogan is got so big that I mean, you could someone who has no idea about wrestling, who to don't care about it, they could tell you like Hulk Hogan because he he just transcended to become like that. This term has been. Mangled over the years But like Hoga became A household name Mm -hmm. But I don't know That Savage is But at the same time It's like I feel like A lot of people Know Savage
0: He has the Slim Jim Commercials though And those were huge At the time
2: That is true Uh, I feel he has more He has more penetration I feel Than most people
0: And he was in Spider-Man Like I feel like I feel like I feel like Everyone knows Savage
2: Yeah I mean, I would put him up here as one of the all-time greats of the last, certainly the last, like, 40, 50 years.
0: I'd feel like, so Savage, I would also say Savage is better remembered for his acting roles than Hogan is, because, like, when you, there's some voice acting stuff that Savage has done that's been memorable, and I know we've talked about it all the time, but, like, I don't think he has anything as iconic as, um, Andre as But, uh, no, was it Fezzik? No, wait, crap. Fezzik. Fezick, yeah, the scene he I do he... Yeah, I know. I, I realized as soon as that came out, I did it wrong. Um, I don't think he. I don't think he ever did anything as iconic as Andre, and I think um, I he might struggle. I think overall, his acting's better, but I think you have to take Bone Saw versus Thunderlips, I think is probably their most like prolific roles each, as far as Hogan and and Savage go for what they'd be remembered for. And and I have to I have to defend Hogan though because Thunderlips was a really great character.
1: Yeah. It was a good character, but it was it could if you were to cut the Thunderlips scene out of that movie, not much would change.
0: That's true. If That's
1: you true. you can't do the same thing for the bone saw scene, so yeah, it's, I would
0: agree
1: with that. Um, it's the phrase I'm like, it, it's kind of a um, a big lip alligator moment. In that, it's like, okay, that happened, and that's great and all, but um, so, I mean, yeah, that was entertaining to watch, but yeah, okay. Uh,
0: I think, I think, I think though, as far as acting though, I think, um. I think even a non-wrestling watcher would recognize Randy Savage's voice.
1: The just other from
0: like a voice acting thing.
1: Just just for just an interesting observation, but you guys are telling me that uh, you know doing business and that sort of stuff, and I I can't help but think like, well then because you listed Hogan Savage, uh, Austin Andre, where's The Rock fit into it?
0: Um, I think The Rock's kind of a hard one to talk about because I think his best years had Austin there as a cushion. Yeah. And then when Austin was kind of removed from the equation, business was going down through no fault of his own. So it's kind of hard. And um, I think Savage had some moments that like where he stood on his own two feet and business didn't struggle. And, you know, he had the WCW stuff that kind of helped him. So it's kind of hard. I feel like rock didn't really get a good chance to um, do it on his own.
1: Well, what I, I'm seeing a dichotomy. And a lot of what you're saying is that in the rock and wrestling era, we had the, um, we had Hogan who kind of seemed to be more of the appeals to everybody, and then the Savage was more of the wrestler's wrestler kind. Yeah. And if we move that on down, it's... it's it, it, you, Like, Rock Austin don't really parallel on that, because they were both more on the Hogan-esque side of things, I guess, because... You know Austin was was physically limited because of how he got hurt, and that was that was the Rock's biggest strength. It wasn't the the ring stuff. It was, you know, the personality and the projection. But um, it, it's uh, I don't know. Uh, it, I I started going somewhere and now I've lost the point. But. <laughs>
0: I don't know. I think. I think. I think. I think. What you have to say about a, a WWE Mount Rushmore is there's three people that if you don't put them on your Mount Rushmore, you're just you're not being um, you're being disingenuous and you're not arguing in good faith. And I think the three people that have to be on a Mount Rushmore, no argument, is Hulk Hogan, Andre the Giant, and Stone Cold Steve Austin. I think those three have to be on any configuration of it.
1: you know of those three I actually would kind of say that that Andre was huge and he played the foil for Hogan but I don't know he he would might actually get cut if I was
0: but he has he has the mine. before of that time though he has like yeah. the seventies and the early eighties yes yes and and he has the the first Hogan feud which they was a big part of like the Shea Stadium card
1: yeah that's that's what I'm saying is is Andre had so much going on pre WWF that um, that's not where so much of his his success.
0: But he was There's also, a lot of this like,
1: missing out there.
0: But he was synonymous though. Like he can't you know, he was he was like a WWF commodity. And I think like if you look at like if you look at like the the after mag stuff, I think that really helped like tie him to to um New York. <sighs>
1: This and I mean, the that's how, that's the how they,
0: that's how New York bartered, though, is like, if Vince was going to take your guy, like, he would give you dates on Andre, like, if they wanted someone in your territory. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. it was like, well, hey, we want this guy. Can you finish him up three months early? Like, do you want, like, three dates on Andre throughout the year? Mm-hmm. Like, but I mean, Because you I were can guaranteed
1: see... to sell out then.
0: Yeah. And I can, I can see, I can see your point, though. I can see why he would be the one that you would cut.
1: Yeah, it's if if Andre had the he was without Andre Hogan wouldn't have happened. But Andre was not the focal point of that. Hogan was so. um, That's I'm just kind of like, I don't know, but should we go back to the Intercontinental title?
0: Yeah, it's hard, though, because like. Like there, that's a, Matt brings up a really good point about Savage. Is he has a very convoluted spot in like wrestling history mm-hmm. because yeah. we always talk about like the guys at the top of the mountain, but what about the guys that are like on like the precipice of the top of the mountain?
1: If it's personal, Mount Rushmore, I actually I prefer Savage over Hogan. Like when I was a kid yeah, I was all about Hogan, but I didn't hardly watch then, and I didn't see much, and you know, where I sit now, I I definitely, like, I can appreciate Hogan. Hogan's far more capable than I used to give him credit for, but I prefer Savage.
0: But, you know, you know where Hogan really, um, beyond WWF, but, you know, there's an understated part of Hulk Hogan's career that I think doesn't get talked about nearly enough, is that is um, Hogan ushered in two wrestling booms in yeah. different decades? Once as a face and once as a heel. Like people talk about the Attitude Era, but they kind of forget that like WCW and Hogan especially paved the way for WWF to get that hot.
3: Yeah.
0: And I mean, it, it's it's amazing. Like most guys couldn't even usher in one boom in their life, and he did it twice.
3: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: The they talk about the Attitude Era, but without the NWO, you wouldn't have the groundwork for the Attitude Era. I don't, and you certainly wouldn't have the pressure to let for Vince to let the Attitude Era start, where the guys started controlling their own stuff or or changing their gimmicks or something like that.
0: Yeah. Now, Shad, we do have. To, I do have to. I do have to ask the hard-hitting questions here. Yeah. Now. Um, Do you think Randy Savage's rap career affects like how he's viewed in the the wrestling history? Have you listened to that? Oh, it's terrible. It's
1: really. I remember there was at some point in like 2003 2004, Savage challenged Hogan to do a charity match, and Hogan wouldn't do it. So Savage sat down just in front of the camera, this was like the very beginning of YouTube, and made a burn video about it. And, my apologies to the listeners, but here we go. He said, Hogan, you don't want to do it, because you're a giant... Yeah, like every derogatory man, term. Yeah, this this predated the, the rap thing, though, because the Be A Man was a, a Hogan slam track. <laughs> but he sat there, and for like 15 minutes called Hogan every name in the book every derogatory term you could think of he threw at him and i'm just like huh? but it fits in with the wild man doesn't it like if you if you told me that hogan did that i'd be like mm, no but you tell me randy savage did that i'd be like yeah i could see that happen
0: you know i think um i think it's a it's a real shame he didn't make it into this decade because could you imagine Randy Savage on today's convention circuit? Like, no one would make any money because his booth would just
1: be a madhouse. That's what happens when Flair shows up, is you have you have a wall of the convention hall that is just the line to go up to Flair's booth.
0: Is he, Flair good with the fans when he meets people, do you know?
1: He's usually just pretty low-key. He just walks up, hey, how you doing, man? Thanks, I appreciate it. Signed your stuff, move on.
0: That's, that's, I don't expect more from that, but like some guys seem, um, some guys seem much like when I met Jake Roberts, like Jake Roberts would chat, chat you up pretty. Yeah.
3: Uh,
1: Okay. So I, I haven't sat through this line, but from the stories I've heard, the two of the best people to go visit at their, um, at their booth over the course of a convention weekend are, um. Jason Narvey and Paul Schreier, Bulk and Skull from Power Rangers. Apparently they are just an absolute blast to go visit at their booth. Like they, they have a great time and have so much fun hanging out with everybody that, uh, it, it's amazing. I, I went and do saw, they,
0: do they do a booth together? Like yeah. so that you get, to, okay.
1: If they're both there, they do a booth together. If it's just one of them, obviously not, but like, um, at, at the at lexington con what they always tell them is like okay we want you guys to go down to goodwill or or somewhere like that and get a couch and're they like what kind of couch doesn't matter just make sure there's no bed bugs in it and the uglier the better and over the course of the weekend they destroy that thing they they take pictures with people sitting on it or they'll sit on it and they're like oh you know we gonna do this photo op and they'll reach down where one of the cushions is ripped and, like, rip a big handful of foam and, like, throw it in the air for the picture or stuff like that. Like, apparently they're just a ball to hang out with in terms of You're, you're
0: really selling me on going to Wizard World if they're there and um, <laughs> visiting them when COVID's over.
1: That's what that's what I've been told. I haven't been there. Now, he's,
0: um, he's not here anymore, but... Uh, the guy that played Odo but I heard him and Quark were a lot of fun at conventions
1: I have not never been to go see never been to one to see um Aaron Shimmerman I'd love to
0: I know because I know someone on another podcast called Comic Geek Speak was talking to them once and he said like he got them talking about something and they actually kind of told the um, their handler to screw off because they wanted to keep talking to him <laughs> when they were trying to move the line along they were just kind of <laughs> like no like we're talking here like go away um
1: I had a great time talking to Booker T. Uh Jonathan Frakes was great to talk with.
0: Booker Uh-oh. T seems like he's the kind of guy like you I've run into this with hockey players, like sometimes you don't even have to talk like they'll do all the talking. Booker
1: and, Booker and I T traded T's, war stories.
0: Oh. Booker seems like he's that kind of guy that's like you walk up to him, he's like, Hey, how you doing? like you having a good time, like, blah, blah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, he does well, all
1: that. He, he and I traded stories back and forth. And uh, I didn't know that I'm the I'm a, like maybe a quarter inch taller than Booker T. So I just, it, like my whole perspective has shifted post career because I didn't realize it's like, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You are one of the quote unquote big guys. I spent so much of my youth being small. And the early part of my wrestling fandom, I was convinced... You know, smaller guy, you got to think like that and that sort No, I could have just been... No, I... Like, I knew I was bigger, but it didn't penetrate kind of stuff. I um, told you...
0: My cousin and I told that... Um, if you go back to the Dark Match, it's for... Um, oh, crap, what show is that? My cousin and I did a, an ECW pay-per-view about two oh, years yeah. ago. And um, we talked about this, but my uncle... Um limo drove for the um the radicals on a on a raw, and he his back appears on the show, mm-hmm. but my uncle was legitimately like six three or six four yeah and the and he he towered over these guys like even Benoit like in character like stared him down, but he literally had to look up like a child at my uncle because he was <laughs> he had he 'cause you know they're all like five eight to five ten yeah and, you know he he just like just and my uh, my uncle was not a small man either so like he was like this big like you know ogre of a person compared to them but like we were talking about that just because it was hilarious at the time
1: yeah um the that, yeah that's that's hang on just a second I'm going to send you guys a quick meme that might uh might encapsulate that a little bit but Booker T was great to talk to. Um,
0: now, Dustin's a lot taller Dustin. in person. Dustin Rhodes is a big boy in person. He's tall he's
1: not he's not heavy. He's he's tall, he's kinda lean, but he's he tall dude. Um I
0: think he's legit like six seven.
1: Dustin Rhodes? Yeah. Uh I'll send you a picture.
0: <laughs> well I sent you I sent you guys that picture and, and Matt about had a heart attack with uh, Ben Kissel. Ben Kissel, um, yeah. Last podcast on the left standing with Kane. Yeah. Ben Kissel's, like, legit, like, 6'7". Yeah.
1: I saw that, and I was like, whoa! Because I have that one picture of me standing next to Kane, and I am definitely shorter.
0: That's why they make fun of him all the time. Like, because I think Henry Zabrowski's, like, six, six like, 5'6", or something.
1: Yeah. Um, the... But I, I saw that. Yeah, they they have a lot of fun with the. Um, whenever you have giants, it show up in a story, and they're like, "No, no, no!" They show up and they wreck stuff, and they eat all your food and and break things because they're not paying attention. He's like, "You know, I'm starting to get my feelings hurt." <laughs> um,
2: how tall are you, Shad?
1: Six three.
2: You're six three. I thought you were much taller.
1: Nope, I'm six three, flat footed.
0: You know the problem is like Shad, if you see him, like especially if you see his wrestling stuff, he um he's usually in there with shorter people, but he carries himself much bigger than um
2: I legit thought you were like six six. No, sir.
1: No, sir. <laughs> I'm sorry to disappoint you.
2: But um uh... Well I mean Dustin's not a small dude.
1: Based no, upon this no, picture
2: not. you just sent no, he's not.
1: He was super cool. Dustin was super cool. Um, but you know
2: I, I I can't remember if I've mentioned this on the show before but if you guys ever frequented back in the day and this is like really like going back in time uh, but the the DVD board, the Death Valley driver board mm-hmm. there at one point was a serious discussion. It started off as like a troll. But then people were like, "No, I actually, we actually believe that." There was a, a troll thread that argued Dustin Rhodes is better than Triple
0: H. Oh, he's way better. I would take him. And, I would take him a million times over Triple H as a worker.
2: Yeah, it started. I mean, this was like literally this. This thread was like 15 years ago. It was back when like Triple H was still like being heavily pushed, and Dustin was kind of like his career had basically. He was just basically like. Uh, he was doing like stuff probably about that time. He was probably doing the tag team with, with Booker T, but obviously he was not like a main level talent in terms of how he was booked. But people made that argument, and it, it started off as a troll, but then people just started commenting like, oh, no, no, actually, Dustin is objectively better than Triple H. And I would, I would say in the years since then, that's only gotten more true. Like, I feel I mean, Dust, had- Dustin is a fantastic worker.
0: He had the I mean he had like that late two thousands run as Gold Dust where he had like those great like B show matches and then he had the Rhodes family which I would argue is the last good angle they've done. Yeah and especially that match um, with the shield where like Roman like speared him through the guardrail where they won the title and then um I would argue It's probably my. It's not my match of the decade, but it was my match of the year. But that Cody versus Dustin match probably made AEW. Yeah, it was so good.
2: Yeah. Um.
0: And he was doing that. He was doing that on double knee replacement and hadn't wrestled and like.
2: He's he's fantastic. He's fantastic now. Yeah. He
0: doesn't. I can't. I don't think. I I think QT Marshall is a terrible wrestler, but Dustin makes him good.
2: I don't think QT is terrible but he's he's just very like he, if he, he didn't exists. have yeah yeah exactly if he didn't have this connection with Cody it's clear this guy would not have, would not be getting any sort of like airtime um I was kind of disappointed that because uh kind of like before they formed that tag he formed that tag team with QT Marshall they had him tag a couple times with Sunny Kiss and I thought well that that's a weird but potentially interesting tag team, but that didn't pan out. But at least they're using Sunny Kiss with Joey Janela, which is another weird (laughs) tag team. Although they do have the connection that they're both like Jersey Boys. Uh, And I actually like that tag team. I hope they actually do something with them.
0: They do a good job of making you think that um, Janela and Kiss would like hang out in their off time.
2: Yeah, I think think Janela gets a bad rap. I actually think he's a much better worker than people give him credit for. I think they... Just, his, um, think he's...
0: his hot tub mm-hmm. shirt with um, Jim Cornette that they were selling at that game changer one, no, I, I legitimately laughed at that yeah. for days.
2: I think Chanel's uh, he's much better than people give like give him credit for. I think it's just the fact that he's very indie. I think that's the the knockout, he's very indie. It's like I saw him have a really great match with Omega in the last year. And I understand like Kenny Omega's like one of the best workers on the planet, but Chanel looked good. And I think I I like the tag team I hope they actually do something
0: And I don't understand why people get so offended It seems like like they
2: are I was
0: going to say I don't know why people get so offended Because he doesn't really get pushed in AEW He's like a low tier Mid-carder Yeah So I think we we went on A bit of a tangent but I would say uh, Savage winning this thing 3-0 or any of us digressing to a Bret Hart
2: I think Bret Hart is great and I think Bret Hart did actually do a lot for that title uh, and he made it seem something very important it wasn't just a stepping stone even though it was for him but and it feel odd cause I feel like I should pick Bret just because he had more than one reign and all of, all of those wins meant something and even the loss meant something um, that said, I feel like I feel f- the the force of nature that is Macho Man. <laughs> That's
0: a good it, it, description for
2: him. Basically, like he he brings he brings the win.
1: Uh, it's it I, I I've got to give it to Macho. I I there is no way that I could go. I, I can't not give it to to Macho. That's it's absolutely a savage win. and It's not me hating on Brett or anything like that, but Brad, you already said it, there's only one macho man and Brett ain't it. Incidentally, um, fun fact, in case you hadn't uh, no one had ever said anything about it, there are in uh, WWF and WCW there are Macho Man Randy Savage has only ever won and lost the title to the same two people and that's Ric Flair and Hulk Hogan
0: oh yeah, yeah. I think you brought that up
1: okay I didn't remember if I had or not I
0: thought I th- I think feel like I tried to dispute that and we actually proved that I was wrong I felt like he had lost it to Nash in there but we realized he beat Nash for it and then lost it straight away to Hogan and I was okay. wrong I know that came up before, and I disputed it, and I was I was horribly wrong. So
1: <laughs> okay, but no, it's 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 savage. I, okay, just just quick aside, and then we can wrap. But who? um... Wait, elbow or sharpshooter?
3: Um. Mm.
0: Oh, that's a tough one because. So here's the thing, um, I would. I would go with the elbow drop as done by Savage, but I think the, um, the sharpshooter is a better overall maneuver.
1: What you thinking, Matt?
0: <sighs> there's only, there's only two people, there's only two people that do, um, an elbow drop as good as Savage, uh, Kirari Sane and Bailey, when she's imitating Savage, they're the only two people that do an elbow drop as good as Savage. Mm. Or if you do, like, the Gino Hernandez, that weird, like, back elbow drop he does, it just looks really bizarre.
2: Mm-hmm. I want to agree with Brad, but I have seen a lot of bad sharpshooters.
0: <laughs> that is true.
2: So, that's that's a tough one. I would almost go with the elbow drop. I, I feel like, to so to me... There's two good sharpshooters or scorpion deathlocks, and it would be Brett, Brett's sharpshooter, and Sting's scorpion deathlock, and that's pretty much like the universe of, of that move being done well. Because yeah. as much as I love The Rock, like The Rock's sharpshooters, Rock
0: look, he was trying to take a dump on them. Yeah, it's
2: terrible, and I, I feel like I, I, off the top of my head, I can't think of another, who else would do the sharpshooter, but I think.
0: I feel like steam was doing it at some point. It looked okay, but I could be making that up.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. For me, it's, it it's the elbow because for two reasons, number one, it's so engaging, right? You, you come off the top with an elbow drop. Everyone's looking up to see it come down in two. Um, it has the unique quality of it doesn't matter who you do it to. It's always going to look as good or as bad as you doing it. <laughs> Whereas a sharpshooter can get really screwed up by someone not taking it well.
0: Oh, here we go. Uh, Ricky Choshu invented it, so his is obviously good. Oh,
2: God. Choshu. Choshu did is a great one. Actually, maybe I'm going to switch. I'm going to go sharpshooter.
0: BullNakano's Nakano, Bull used it, so that had to look good. And it's... To hurt it, though, and Natalia uses it.
1: Uh, Natalia's is okay.
0: And then, um... A funny story, but, uh... And I knew this, but... Uh, Conan taught Bret Hart how to do it. Oh, lord. What? Because... So he was... He was somewhere or other, and Pat Patterson asked if he could do the Scorpion Deathlock. And Hart was like, "Sure, and then he didn't know how to do it, so he was asking around the locker room, and Conan was the only person that knew how to do the move, so he showed him how to do it,
1: so this whole thing, oh my God, the whole story about Owen teaching it to Brett and all this kind oh my God, like I knew it was I suspected it was farcical, but
0: oh, Ronnie Garvin used it too, so that probably looked okay.
2: Oh, man, I mean, okay, I will agree. I will agree with with Brad. Then you've you've won me over. I forgot too many people who had good sharpshooters.
0: Oh, and this is the 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 Conan stories from Brett Hart's autobiography.
2: Okay, mm-hmm. Brett, yeah. uh, Brett, that would be accurate because Brett has like a shockingly good, he has a shockingly good memory for stuff.
0: For how? For like all the like concussions and like the stroke, he really does. Yeah.
2: Uh this is a really weird sidebar, just a throwaway comment, a non sequitur, but since you mentioned Bull Nakano, it will never uh, not amuse me or fascinate me that Bull Nakano, when she stopped actively wrestling, dropped a ton of weight and got really, really foxy. <laughs> <laughs> now that that matters, of course, obviously we care more about the the talent of the people not their physical appearance but it's just it's funny because bonacana was always booked as like a monster and then she like dropped a ton of weight and was like actually a really attractive woman
0: like um a hundred pounds
2: yeah and she's like i think in her 50s now and still looks great
0: probably she might even be a little older she was wrestling like i think the early 80s Cause there's like um there's like a brawl with her and like Monster Ripper in um, and like '82 that is just off the off the charts and like, there's blood everywhere. It's great.
3: Hmm.
0: Bertha Fay of WW. Yeah. F fame. Um, so. Uh, so for our third tournament we are crowning Randy Savage as the best IC champion of the pre-attitude era.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's that's you know just from the beginning of this I was always like I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure this is what's going to happen, but let's play it out and see where we go.
0: It um the tournament went about how I thought it would because I made sure I made sure to keep Savage and Heart as far away from each other as possible, because I thought, like... I thought they would go as far as they could until they ran into each other, so I put them on mm-hmm. opposite ends. Gotcha. And I put Perfect with Heart because I thought Perfect might beat Heart, but I didn't think he'd beat Savage, so... It was, um... I yeah. had to put a lot of thought into where I placed people on this one, because... I kind of had an idea how you guys would vote, so I was trying to. I was trying to keep certain matches for later.
1: Yeah, I got you.
0: I. I kind of seeded it based on how much I thought we liked people, so. If it didn't go so well for the Haas tournament. This is a little more predictable.
1: <laughs> That's true. That's true. The Haas tournament was was uh, a fun wrinkle. So.
0: Yeah. Well, I would say that is it for our IC title two-parter. Um, you guys got anything else?
1: Uh no, not really. Just Nope. The cream rules to the top. Yo. That's all I got. So, okay. all righty, guys. Well, there we go. There's our there's our winner. We want to um, Wanting to hear from you guys. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree? Why? Please hit us up on our social media. We would love to hear from you. This is Shad
3: here with Matt and Brad. We've been in three corners. You're in the fourth, and we will see you next time.